0: Before we begin, I'd just like to say thank you to my friends at Hair Saloon for supporting this podcast and for providing space at their corporate offices to record it. Hair Saloon's mission has as much to do with the restoration of men as it does with the business of haircutting. They try to make a difference in the lives of the thousands of men who come through their doors every week. Hair Saloon is based in St. Louis, Missouri, and if you've ever been interested in running your own business and want to work with great people, I would highly recommend you check out the Hair Saloon Franchise Opportunity. Go to hairsalonfranchise.com to find out more information. That's hairsalonfranchise.com. Also, a quick reminder that I will answer reader emails in this episode, so make sure you stick around for the entire podcast. Finally, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and to please take two minutes to give us your review. And if you have a question or a comment you'd like to share with our listeners, go to suzanne at the Welcome back to The Suzanne Venker Show. I'm your host, Suzanne Venker, and we are doing something new starting today. Once a month, I am going to talk to you directly and not interview a guest. And my sidekick for this new venture is Andre Parity, whom you've heard me interview in the past. He's out in L.A. He is the founder of Project Equinox. And he has a wonderful podcast of his own called "How the Culture Gets It Wrong." And Andre and I are very like-minded, and I thought he would make a super sidekick for this this, this new venture I'm doing, where I talk to you all about the issues of the day. So, say hello, Andre. Good morning. Good morning, and it's beautiful out there in, in L.A., right? Uh,
1: yes. Yeah, uh, early morning, and the sun's coming up, and it's going to be beautiful and warm, and it already is. But yeah, glorious, glorious Los Angeles Day.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I have um, a bunch of things to talk about. You ready yeah. to kind of get on it?
1: Totally. I love All right. So,
0: so here's my first one. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear about Arby's Restaurant
1: uh, in Minnesota,
0: uh, mm-hmm. who had a sign this is, this, is, this is so funny. So this has to do with parenting. Basically, Arby's is dealing with a lot of, um, let's say, ill-behaved children in its, in its store, restaurants, rather. And so they had to put up a sign that said, only well-behaved children who can keep their food on their trays and their bottoms on their seats are welcome. If you can't do this, you'll be asked to leave. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, seems like, you know, that's what they had to do. You know, if you own the restaurant or you're running it and this is happening, it seems like a perfectly reasonable response. Okay, so guess what happens? Someone got so upset. Someone got so upset that that sign was there because, of course, it was a personal affront to the fact that they couldn't handle their own kids (laughs) that they actually pulled the sign down. No. They did. So this is all part of this, what's now known as cancel culture, which basically means you are forced out of doing what you need to do for your business because someone's offended. And of course, we're hearing about it left and right in the media. And this one struck me because it had to do with parenting and how we've all experienced unruly kids in our midst and ha- and feel utterly, um, well, you feel bad for the parents, right? But then you also are mad that they can't control them. And then- it kind of ruins everybody's experience, and so it was a perfectly reasonable response, and yet they've taken it down.
1: Wow. Wow. We live in society, right? We live in in, like, in society, in public. We're all together everywhere. And so the idea that you can't sort of have rules about you know keeping things in certain harmony is too much now?
0: Right, like, exactly.
1: Well, what? You know, so, you know. And this has to—
0: This is this, this is this world that we're living in in terms of being offended by everything. And so that when you're offended by everything, if you're, if you're so busy being offended, then you can't possibly have any rules and structure. And then the rules and structure will break down and there's just chaos. (laughs) Did you hear about Chick-fil-A?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I know about Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Like same idea, right?
0: Same idea. Only they, my, I'm, I'm possibly holding my, um judgment on that because I'm still trying to if it's very new it just came out yesterday. Yeah. But they finally uh they said their Chick-fil-A is to stop donation to charities with anti-LGBT views. And there's a little bit more to this story, I think, but at the bo- at the end of the day, they're having to cave to pressure for um associating with companies that you know are are anti-gay marriage or what have you and in the past that was their you know that was their right to you give to who you want as a company is the bottom line, and if you don't agree with that, then don't patronize the place. But now, and it was kind of a big deal because Chick Fil A, of course, is um, you know closed on Sundays, and they they make they make powerful statements with their with where they put their money and, and how they live do their business, and to have them stop the donations was 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 a big cave. It just was a big cave any way you look at it. So it's just a bigger issue of the same the same Arby's concept. So, anyway.
1: Mm, I mean, it's, you know, I don't, what do you do with, you know, where do you go from there, right? Where do you go from there?
0: Where do you go from there? I mean, seriously, if you can't even have the few people who are left standing, if they're going to cave, then what what hope is there for the rest of us?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't say anything. You can't do anything. You can't disagree, disagree with anybody. You have to go with the flow. You have to be PC. You have to agree on everything, whether, whether it makes sense or not. You know, it's, it's just kind of really ridiculous. And, you know, if I, for myself, I, I find myself, right, like pushing back. I, you know, I had this very conversation with my assistant yesterday who's gay. And, you know, I have no problem with the fact yeah. that she's gay. But when the movement is forcing things on us, and this is why I have a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and they're claiming, you know, that they're demanding respect for who they are and what they believe in. And that's fine, right? I get it, right? You want to be who you want to be and you have the right to be who you want to be. beautiful. You know, but if you're going to force it down my throat or anybody's throat, if you're going to force respect, you know, you can't you can't demand respect. You have to earn respect. So if you respect me, you know, and my beliefs and don't push anything on me or force anything on me, the chances are I'm going to respect that much exactly. more than, you know. So you want respect, you have to cultivate respect, you know, but the movement is really pushing back and forcing down people's throat. And, and, and having the
0: opposite effect of what they Right, they, Exactly. Right. I couldn't so that's, agree
1: more. That's the, that's the part where if you can look at it for how things work really, what makes sense, what works better, stop pushing, you know, stop forcing, stop demanding, stop insisting. Absolutely. So people can respond, you know, much more without pushing without the reaction is just natural. If you push you know what push back. Exactly. That's, that's instinctual. So they're doing it wrong, as far as they're, I'm concerned. What they're looking for, they're, they're going about it backwards, and it's just making everything much more tense. And when people, of course, push back because you're pushing, and then you go, "Oh, the anti-Semitic, anti, you know, LGBT, anti, anti," and it's like, "Well, stop, cheer. you know, like respect the others, so you have a chance to be respected."
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's a, so let's get into more of um, what you and I are very passionate about in terms of gender relations and men and women and masculinity, masculinity and femininity. And, and here's here's another uh, story similar to what we're just talking about that's more up our alley. There was a birth coach in the UK who was hounded out of her charity, her industry charity, um, because transgender activists branded her Facebook message. Bad because she had the audacity to say that only women can have babies. (laughs) A birth coach has been ostracized by her professional organization after transgender advocates branded as offensive, a Facebook post in which she said that only women can have babies. Lindsay McCarthy Calvert, 45, was forced to stand down as spokesperson for Doula UK and has since resigned altogether because she had the audacity to say only Women give birth.
1: Well, who else gives birth?
0: <laughs> well, if you're a transgender uh, rights give, activist, no, immobili- no,
1: you don't right? give birth. Nope. You could you could identify as anything, but you don't give birth. You know, like mm-hmm. you still have a Y chromosome. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Like, helping. I mean, it's
0: it's insanity. It is just insanity. So this whole cancel culture started by just sort of being slightly offended by not wanting to hear views that differ from your own, to now outright um, um, dismissal of basic biological facts and logic. And
1: And nature, yeah. Well, where do you think that's going to take us? Because I I see this, you know, the ridiculousness is so far, you know, where's that going to end up? It's got to fall flat somewhere eventually. I mean.
0: Well, I'm, yeah, I'm a little less concerned with, I mean, I'm pointing these out just to, you know, talk about the insanity of it, but these extreme examples I'm less concerned with. I'm more concerned with policies and cultural narratives that hurt, as you, as you and I both know, that hurt people's um, chances for happiness in their relationships and in their families. So that ultimately that's, that's all politics. But, for example, um, how the politics leads into the personal is, is where I'm more concerned. So, okay, so for example, I also wrote a couple weeks ago about this California's Paid Family Leave Act, out where you are, um, I don't know if you heard about that, but the new there's a new paper that was published by the National Bureau of Economic Research that found that California's 2004 paid leave law, which was an attempt to get more women to remain in the workforce after the birth of a child by providing an extra six weeks of paid leave at 55% of their pay, did not do what it was supposed to do. Okay? that they thought for sure that that you know all the policies in the world to get women to reject caregiving for their own babies and get them back into the workforce and they thought they were going to lead the way because there's only two states in the country right now that offer this uh, paid leave you can you can leave without pay of course but this was paid and it's been tried now for what i guess that makes it f- 15 years 2004 and it's not working it's completely backfiring women are not coming back because guess what happens what happens what happens andre
1: they want to stay with their babies
0: <laughs> they want to stay with their babies
1: look at that nature again just kicking look in at right? that. like nature just in your face this you know like like trying to control things that are instinctive
0: so, Andre, did you hear about this um, comment from Emma Watson about uh, being not... self-partnered?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so no. so,
0: so in, an, in a Vogue interview, she says uh, in the, she, she's turning 30. And you know what happens when women turn 30, Andre? Hello.
1: Of course, TikTok, TikTok.
0: TikTok, TikTok. And of course, that's not, that's not nature's fault. That's that's society's fault, mm-hmm. right? Society's making them feel this pressure. It has nothing to do with their bodies or just the way life works, right? right. So she says in this Vogue interview, uh, if you have not built a home, if you do not have a husband, if you do not have a baby, and if you're turning 30 and you're not in some incredibly secure, stable place, stable place in your career or you're still figuring things out, there's just this incredible amount of anxiety, which – now, that part wasn't blaming anybody. That that statement is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, that, unfortunately, in our attempts to help women kind of avoid that trap or feeling that way, we, you know, by suggesting that they maybe map out their lives a little earlier or just be aware of um, the biological clock and the fact that it's real and it's there and you have to work with it. We all we get in the media is junk about how society's holding women back by making them feel pressured to have babies by a certain period of time, and that there's all these options for women today that they can have, you know, babies up into their forties. That's the kind of stuff that makes me nuts.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it, and it, it's just again, it's in, you know, I think for me, part of it is all instinctual, right? Again. There's a, I have women clients who, you know, very consciously, consciously have decided to not have babies, you know, and I agree with this. Some women should not be mothers, right? It's like, we're mostly designed for this stuff, but some are not, right? So there's women that actually make a conscious choice not to have kids. Good for you for whatever reason, right? Whether it's career or temperament, she won't do it. She's not good at it. She knows Mm -hmm. it's going to be terrible. Um, Ultimately, also feel... There's something wrong with them, you know, because, again, the the instinct and, you know, instinct kicks in at one mm-hmm. point, you know, because that's what women do, have babies, procreate. That's how we could, you know, it's how, like, our genetics are working. There's an instinct to reproduce first, you know, before being happy, before being fulfilled in life, before building a life. Like, there's an instinct to procreate first. Men, same for men as well, to continue the species. So... There's a battle, you know, with our culture with, you know, you have to go, you know, business first and be productive, successful, make some money, all this stuff. But the inner instincts always says also kicks in, which is a mind screw for the ladies where, you know, there's something wrong with you. You should have babies, you know, from from there, like I find my clients completely battling, also battling typically what they want as opposed to, you know, what instinct sort of pulls them in. And so... The idea of having it all comes in in this place there where, you know, I've Mm -hmm. had the conversation last week where what seems to work better, a woman who wants it all seems to work better is to start a career and schooling for a career, you know, early 20s. And within, you know, in their 20s, actually start looking for a relationship and a husband and have a couple of kids, pause that Mm -hmm. development of her life for at least five years. Typically, when the kids go to kindergarten, most women will extend that. But you could go in with the idea of like, I'm just taking a pause. Five years on a lifetime, on a lifeline, right? <laughs> the line of your life is nothing. It's
0: nothing, right? it's absolutely it's nothing. nothing.
1: And then you get everything. You get to have the relationship, the husband, the kids, yep. the family, right? Yep. Pause yep. for five years. Some women go to seven and 10 years. Just yep. in, again, instinctively want to be there for the children, beautiful stuff, right? And then resume their life in the world and pick up their career where, this, where it was. Because they have a husband who supports the machine, so there's no urgency, silly, but, but they want to be productive and part of the world and bring their gifts. Beautiful. And now we know with data, right, that women, when they're a little bit older and happy because their lives are in place and they're connected you know, with all the relationships around them that are, makes them feel good, are actually more able to focus and be productive and be happier later right because if
0: you don't have your personal life in order and you're out there doing what society wants you to do you're going to have this angst and that angst is going to spill over into your working uh you know th- that's why so many of them yeah. even when they have the uh the, the the paid leave like we talked about before it sounds good right yeah. theoretically it sounds good yep. before you're actually holding that baby in your arms yep. but then something <laughs> happens right your entire yep. world Shifts, you know the C's part <laughs> when a baby is, is, you know, on your chest, and your own baby is on your chest, and all of a sudden, work just seems so irrelevant. Totally. Just it just seems irrelevant, and so eventually, it won't always feel that way, but it's going to for some time. So the idea that you're going to be paid for six weeks and then come back, well, of course, it's not working.
1: <laughs> it's so silly, really, in a way. Like, it, you know, it's, I, I get the concept right is that children are just so disruptive. In your mm-hmm. life, right? Like, so you want them, but like, you know, is you got to rearrange everything. It's disruptive. So a lot of people, that I see, are opting out of of having a life with children because that's going to ruin their lives, right? Their careers, their bodies, their 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 lifestyle. you know what I mean? Yeah. Money, money, and freedom. I mean, know? it's
0: such a massive value shift from the oh, way it's always God. been. I mean, that's really at the core of it. It's this value shift of work over relationships, and it's so unbelievably dysfunctional you know i was um i went to princeton last week and i don't know if i told you that to talk to um young women and the 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 point of the um you know the point of my talk was how to have a happy balanced life that means preparing in advance for being out of the workforce for a time you have to prepare for that in advance there are several things you can do with that like marry smart, as was one of the things that I was telling them. Yes. Um, marry smart. You get, you can't marry someone who's not going to be able to support you at some point. If you want to step out, you need to not make financial decisions that are that demand two incomes prior to having children so that you don't set yourself up to then demand it <laughs> because you've made these financial decisions. Like if you buy a home based on two incomes, let's say, right. and, and you just don't even consider the fact that you're not, Going to be in the workforce then you then you do get screwed down the line and you call me and say, "I want to be home with my kids, and i can't be so right. you know i 'm all about trying to help women not get in that boat mm. to begin with, but of course i'm up against um massive massive cultural pressure mm. and um and narratives that that thats that tell them opposite so like I want to talk about for a minute um, this new movie that's coming out, Frozen Two. Does your marriage or love life feel hard? I get a lot of emails from readers who are struggling in their relationships. Unfortunately, the help an individual or a couple needs can rarely be answered in a series of back and forth emails. For this reason, I offer coaching for individuals who are struggling in their relationships and for couples whose marriages feel stuck. Just go to suzannebenker.com and click on Coaching at the top to sign up for a session with me. That's Suzannebenker.com. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Frozen 1?
1: Yeah, Frozen? Of course. Of course. I have kids. I have kids. I saw it many, <laughs> yeah. many times.
0: Yeah, I think we have kids kind of the same age-ish. Yeah. So I remember seeing it. And I have to tell you, when I first saw Frozen, I'm sitting <sighs> through it. And my daughter, you know, you can't see a movie or even a TV show with me without, because of what I do, without <laughs> – um, <laughs> Staring at, she stares at me every five minutes, like trying to d- determine what I'm thinking, right. because she knows the minute she hears something with a message in it that I'm thinking something. So right. it was really hard for me to hold my tongue because it was so, you know, it was such a magnificent film in terms of its like, in terms of the music and the, you know, just the whole, the, the physicality of it. But of yeah. course, I hated the messages all the way through. So I was having this sort of love hate relationship with this with this film, and she was still young. Um, and of course, who doesn't love that song? So it, it was really funny. But at any rate, so, so Frozen Two is, is coming out soon, and they're going to up the ante a little bit with that, I think. And I, but the bottom line is that film was very is a perfect example of the cultural narrative that's trying to undo, you know, uh, decades of um, you know the typical fairy tale message about strong man rescues. You know, soft woman or what have you, mm-hmm. by flipping that on its head and making a very clear message that women don't need men. Ugh. And in that movie, they actually, I believe, turned the good guy at the beginning into a villain. It's been a few years since I've seen it, but so he he had a regular old good guy, but he becomes the villain, and then sisterhood it comes all about sisterhood and yeah. this idea that you don't need a man. So of course I hated the film, despite everybody <laughs> loving it, and I had to sort of pick 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 carefully who I was going to talk to about that film. Well, what about you? Did you have the same?
1: Well, you know, I I'm the same. I see the the messages in everything, every you know everything, and it's sort of my kids look at me the same way. I go, oh here we go, dad's going to go off now.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's gonna
1: that's gonna go off. Right? <laughs> and they, they they wait for it, they know it's coming, right? I mean, you know, and I get all like, oh god, enough but like, ah. anyway. But I mean, the men, you know, women don't need men. It just makes me I just don't know how anybody's really really truly bought into this the way they have. I mean and I remember like hearing stuff like this like years and years ago, and we all used to laugh going, This is so stupid, it's not gonna grab. You know what I mean? It's not gonna grasp. No one's going to buy this mm-hmm. crap. And all of a sudden, here we are. Like, here everybody's bought are. this crap. It's in our culture. That's, that, that, you know, that's my podcast, breaking down the, the ridiculousness of some of these things. But, like, it's it's interesting for me that women have bought into this idea that marriage is a terrible thing, where actually marriage is the best thing for women. Yep. You know? Like the well, let's best talk about thing.
0: that for a minute, Andre. Let's talk about that.
1: Because yeah. that's
0: something that you don't hear a lot. Explain why marriage is a good thing for women.
1: Well, I mean, like, Get this: Instinctively, men want to provide and protect women, children, you know, animals, that they, you know, the planet. Right? Men are provider protectors instinctively. So get this: So men want to take care of women they care for. Naturally, instinctively, you don't have to manipulate them into this. Look at it: This is the best deal in the world. Men will go to work, kill themselves to provide and protect for their loved ones. Without having to be manipulated, right? They want to do this. We want to do this. What is the problem? <laughs> I've saw this comedian lady. She's hysterical. She's on stage, pregnant, right? And she's talking about like her life as a woman in this world. And she says, you know, everybody around me, you know, like trying to make her, you know, a badass and you know, you go girl and girl power, right? And boss babe. And she said, this, you know, was I forget who said this? The CEO of I think Google a woman who said something like, ladies, you have to learn to lean in. You have to learn to lean in. Lean in in the Sher- world. Have to Sandberg. Yeah, Sandberg. That, mm-hmm. that's right. And she's like, she's on stage. She goes, I don't want to lean in. I want to lay down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, and that,
1: oh and, you my know, gosh. Because, Go you know, as a woman with a baby coming, right, like she needs to rest. She needs to recover. She needs to take care of the kid. It's going to be a lot of work. It's exhausting, right? It's like, like what you know, she, why take all this on herself, right? This is, this is where the... The culture gets it wrong where we think women can do it all and have it all and it's impossible. You can't. Not in the way that they say you can, right? Like to be a right. CEO, a boss babe, and have a couple of kids and a husband and a in family fact, and a household and make yes. that all work is too much. <laughs> and
0: it's... that reminds me of something that you talked about once on your podcast, which I love and I've been, I have had on my notes to, to ask you to, uh, to talk about because yeah. I thought it was a brilliant way of putting it. You talked about the difference between – being a career woman mm. and being a woman with a career. Yeah. Now, oh. before you say anything, I clearly fall in the latter group. I knew exactly what you meant when you said that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that everybody does, so I want to talk about that. But it goes to what you just said when you said having it all in the way that it's, uh, you know, demanded of the culture, which is that you can be this top CEO and you can also be this great wife and mother. Yeah. Obviously, that's not possible. But you that doesn't mean that you don't have any um, – career of any kind. So so and again, that's something else that I've spent a great deal talking about is mm-hmm. what be, making your plans more realistic for your other goals. Now, if you're somebody who doesn't want a family, more power to you. Mm-hmm. But if you do, you have to lower – people don't like to say lower your expectations. Okay, mm-hmm. so make them more realistic. Whatever you want to say, if you're starting way, way, way too high, then there's nothing wrong with lowering them because you're too high. But if you mm-hmm. want to call it just being more realistic, that's fine something that works alongside motherhood. And that's something that I did when I was in college. I started thinking about this way before a lot of my contemporaries did. And it came out and it was just a win-win for me in the end. I think that's one of the things that makes it so different for me when people say, how did you do what you do um, and still have, you know, a family and, and all of that. And it was because I started way ahead of time planning for this. And I was realistic in what I could accomplish or wanted to accomplish. Um, and when you said woman with a career versus a career woman, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's it. That's mm-hmm. it right there. So go.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you are a woman with, with a career as opposed to a career woman, which means you put things in, in order for it to work long term and to get actually the dream is to have it all right. Which means when you were a younger woman, you know, I know you started a little bit late, but as as a woman that had a career, but on, your focus was at one point family and children. Now that be, has to become, you know, family and children, finding a good man is, a full-time job in the beginning like it's you know it takes a lot of focus it tell me about it. Of, i had to go
0: through bit, one to get to the good one
1: <laughs> exactly right i mean so one it, marriage it,
0: one actual it, marriage it,
1: yeah. and you have to be with men to understand men you have to be with a lot of men to start feeling out their character their temperament what you like what you don't like and you start recognizing well i don't like that type of guy and I, i've seen this before that you know oh more of this right and so you have to be in the world with men dating men it's a lot of work. That's why women who have careers don't typically end up dating enough or finding the right guys because they don't have the time, space, energy to do it. A, a woman with a career understands yeah. that she wants to participate in life, you know, and bring her gifts, you know. However, to have it all, she gets the fact that you know that has to take second place for a little while. To find the right man, a good quality man, a man who actually wants to take care of her, step up, has his stuff together, has character, becomes a man who wants to also build a life and a family, right? And then you put that in place. You have one or two kids or three or whatever. You know, I have a client who has six. You believe that? (laughs) All over the place. Actually,
0: I have a couple of good friends with a lot of kids. So, yes,
1: Yes, I (laughs) just You know, because when you, especially when you have one or two, you realize the magic of that. And I almost wanted to continue myself. but Yeah, me too. So, the magic of that, and then you know, like i said the the on the other side of motherhood, a few years later, it's only a few years you know they actually are able to they're they're happy, they're solid, their life is good, the connections you know for women, their relationships, all the relationships around her is truly what makes her more happy when the relationships around her are good, she's happy, right, and from that place she's a woman to can step into the world again and bring her gifts and her talents and build something, you know, in the world. Boom, right? So you get the whole gamut. One thing that I want to say that nobody has, nobody's talking about, it's not on the radar, is that, you know, when you think children are going to ruin everything, when you think marriage is not, you know, something that you wanted, you want money first to make you feel safe and secure, and that's the end-all be-all, these are all my clients, right? By the time they get to 40, they They've been so masculinized, they're so manly because they've been in man man mode all these years, can't attract men, can't find men, have no idea who men are. They've never spent enough time around men to even matter to figure it out. So they're they're struggling with this. And now I have two clients who, at 40, when they actually helped them find a relationship, but by the time a year later they want to start a family, both of them were dry no more eggs lost you know and these are women who wanted families more than anything waited too long you know ouch right it's, so
0: it's it's just i can't get my head around like i get if you didn't know whether or not you wanted kids i can see that happening but i yeah. can't understand letting that happen if it's really important to you i right. mean like what did they think was going to happen i can't well, yes. quite grasp they, that
1: they, they forget that understand that somehow they've been you know they've been they've been sort of like conned by culture that you have to be, feel safe first and have money first you know and the rest of it is cake but that's not you know what i mean this and is what I was, why this, that
0: whole go ahead. yeah
1: this was, what i was gonna say is really you know what they don't know what you and i know and people have had children know is that you know if you don't have kids by you know if you don't have kids and you wait too long and now you cannot have kids right mm-hmm. like it's impossible and you miss out on that you know I, I'm watching my own family do this. Like, what is, like, imagine you and I, you, right? Like, not having kids and coming home just to your husband. And I
0: thought about that just yesterday. That's really weird that
1: you said that. Uh, I was yeah, thinking
0: about it, that very thing. Like, it, I was out going, what...
1: what I, what would doing you do? My thing?
0: What would I do? Like going home at night well, alone, And and you know, we live in we're now living at a time where this is being hailed that this idea of being single and never marrying and coming home to an empty house is is empowering. You're, yeah. you're hearing that message left and right. It's a joke.
1: What I want to say, yeah, it's terrible. And what I am going to say is this: the, the part that people are not, you know, which is this is why we're talking about this. The part that nobody's paying attention to is again, what are you going to do for the second half of your life when right. it's only you? Totally. Who do you go on vacation with? Who do you play with? Who you go to the park with? Who you know? Who? Where's the companionship? Where's the kids? My, my house is full of teenagers because my kids are teenagers. They bring all their friends to my house. I come home. There's five or six kids in my house. The energy is amazing. They're they're good kids. They're fun kids. You know, like what it brings to our lives. You know, my kids and their friends and everything that goes with that. This is the second half, part of my life, right? Like, there's I have. Now I have grandchildren to look forward to eventually. So people forget kids don't ruin your life. They complete your life. They fill up your life. They make your life.
0: I mean, imagine if we had constant drumbeat of the opposite message of what we're saying right now. Constantly, all the time. you turn on the TV, whether it was a movie, whether it was a TV show or a commercial, and you were constantly hearing how children add to your life. Imagine how that would affect the collective psyche.
1: Well, that's where I'm going. Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that's where exactly. I'm going. Seriously, like, and, and I, and I guess even for myself, like I, I, I was lucky like you to follow this life path that you know I I wanted children and I wanted to, you know, knowing it's going to be complicated because it is in the beginning especially, mm-hmm. you know, but I was I didn't even know the rewards like the love the connection the the how much it fills up your life. Like what mm-hmm. the hell would I do without my right. kids when I come home? I mean, would me and my wife would go for dinner every Saturday night and watch a movie. Like, are you kidding me? Like this is life. Like right. that's not, enough life, right? that's not enough. So, you know, and you guys wake the hell up. Right. Like, and the,
0: I think a big piece of that is in the past, I've always, I've always felt that a big piece of this is that in the past people, previous generations fought long term as a general rule like it was part of their thought process because they lived through war depression they had a, a you know life was more fragile and it was shorter and you thought further out and because the younger generation just doesn't think much everything's so immediate so if you can't have it by tomorrow then you're not interested but if you actually just shift your focus to thinking 40 years out which was one of the things i told the young women last weekend at Princeton. Think forty years out. Don't just think five years out, and yeah. all of a sudden your perspective will change enormously right. about like, the, exactly what we're talking about. What are you going to do with the second half yeah. of your life? Yeah,
1: I, I, I was at I was at uh, LMU University last weekend, uh, last week, doing the exact same talk, which is just interesting. And you know, the idea of think in the future. You know, these are your lives. Think what's going to happen. You know, outside of the moment that you're in right now, and the fact that you think. You know, it's all about you, and then all about you, all about yeah. you, all about you, and not thinking further enough. You want to be, you know, smart people learn from mistake, others' mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Definitely. and and we have mistakes all around us. I mean, that's you and I. That's all we talk about, right? Like it's not working. Yes definitely. So
0: that's much more powerful than just being told so, what to do.
1: Right. So my yeah. for me my, I'm always like blowing the you know sounding the alarm ladies wake up think through forget what the society or culture says what is it that you want? Are you do you want to be a career woman or a woman with a career? Anyone? Anyway, career woman does the opposite. Career woman is all about business, money, career first. And
0: I bet if you ask that of most people you're going to get the cr- woman with a career 90% of the time.
1: Well, honestly, would... honestly they blank for a second. when I've, I've said that last week in that yeah. class. A bunch of 22-year-old uh. 20, young college girls, and they just blank, like blank. Literally, Did they the, they I, had no
0: clue what you meant? Or no, no,
1: no, they got it, but they never thought it through.
0: Yeah, right. They yes. just
1: went to – in front of me, I saw them all go yeah. up in their heads. Eyes got big. Wait, career woman, woman with the career. Wait, career woman with the career. Career woman.
0: Interesting.
1: And all they thought – all they're being – taught all they're being sh- you know like shoveled in their faces all day long is money Karaman. career first yes. and you know and, and then by adding this bit when I said a woman with a career as a woman who's going to plan for the full life which is not the way they feed it to you as okay good interesting better right the mm-hmm. idea of children will ruin your life and you know men that can't be trusted and you got to just get your own first and it was it, 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 you should have seen the room stopped like the room got cold you know, And I had to like bring him back and sort of walk him through it. So now these ladies have a chance to think it through. And that's all I'm doing, right? Sound the alarm. Think it through. Forget what culture is telling you. You don't want to be statistic and or one of my clients or your clients.
0: You know, it's funny that you just said the room got quiet. That exact same thing happened to me last weekend when I said, just off the cuff, I didn't even think I said anything that profound, but apparently I did. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, I was. I said, if you took my career away, if you took away what I'm doing right now, standing up here before you tomorrow, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. But you could not flip that. I would not be okay. Yeah. And they really heard that. They really heard that.
1: Beautiful. So that's the mission, right? That's the job. That, yes, that's that what is. We're like, just sound the alarm. Take it through. You know, nobody would so, really it.
0: So part and parcel of this is the this latest study from September that kind of, Got a lot of play in the media. That goes goes with what we're talking about, and that is the fact that marriage is down. Mar- marriage rates are down, mm-hmm. and that this particular study and There's a different ways of looking at, at the fact that marriage is down. There's cohabitation is up a thousand fold, and that's yeah. sim- people just just are simply fewer people getting fewer people getting married. But this particular study focused on um, the fact that. It blamed the lack of, quote unquote, economically attractive men mm-hmm. being available to women who are now, let's say, in their late 20s or 30s. Yep. OK, so this was a ding, 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 ding. As <laughs> soon as I saw this, <laughs> of course, I was all over it mm-hmm. because, hello, that's that that's hypergamy. That's hypergamy. And mm-hmm. so let's explain to people I mean, most people, most of our listeners know what that is, but the significance of that is huge that doesn't get any play in in the media because the idea is that men and women are the same and women should never depend on men, and so therefore hypergamy is old news. It doesn't exist anymore. So hypergamy is when a woman looks for a man who's of equal or higher status or at least in terms of salary, um, preferably education, but definitely salary so that she knows that when the time comes – and she becomes pregnant and vulnerable. She knows she's going to need to depend on a man to take care of the money portion so she can take mm-hmm. care of her baby. This mm-hmm. is evolutionary biology. It goes back mm-hmm. forever. And we are no different. This, this study proves that we're no different with that than we were a hundred years ago, even though women are now economically independent.
1: Yep. Yep. It's nature. Well, it's nature again. Right. And, and oh, good Lord, where do I start? <laughs> you yeah. Know, it, it, it's, instinct nature for women to feel safe you know that interestingly enough men don't have that right for like so when a woman attains a certain level of success in her career let's say she becomes a a nurse right Mm -hmm. so hypergamy will have her instinctively you know have to she'll be able to marry or marry or yeah start a life with somebody her equal and or higher so she'll be able to date you know or marry a Another nurse or male nurse, but or a doctor or a surgeon, right? So sideways Mm -hmm. or up is hypergamy. Never, never down. She will never marry the guy in the cafeteria that that wipes the floor, Mm -hmm. right? Somehow that's not. But men exactly have the exact opposite. Men love to bring women up in lifestyle by their doing their power. Their you know, their like they hold themselves accountable for Mm -hmm. themselves and will love to. Any doctor would love. You know, to like bring up the cafeteria lady who's a cute little butt, you know, whatever, yeah, right? Like yeah. that's 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 instinct the other way. The problem with hypergamy for women is the more powerful you are, the less, the the smaller the pool gets. We know this; is statistics on this. Men marry much younger, right? Mm-hmm. Then. Then, then women that decide to have careers, right? So when women decide to have careers, they they by the time they get to their forties they're looking for men. Well, men are already gone. <laughs> men have been yep. married already, right? Men marry in their thirties or so. Men marry younger and they they look for this, they actually have they find that they have more values, they're more likely to marry, you know, in their late twenties and early thirties. That's men. So mm-hmm. By the time women come around in the 40s plus looking for a guy to marry, well, the ones who like to marry, want to marry, or you know had the character to be that guy, is already gone. So the pool is smaller. The ones who are left are the ones who either have less character, or aren't just interested in marriage, whatever, there'd be all kinds of reasons. Some of them are divorced, and are not interested in doing that again. So there's that pool. There's a guy really small in your 40s with the choice of men available. Throw in hypergamy, right? The, this pool got even smaller and I hate to say this but like women forget this again right like your sexual market value is high when you're in your 20s and early 30s mm-hmm. so right the sexual market value like as women get older the sexual market value fades and again within the temperament of a masculine woman is not attractive so Again, this is that pool that disappears, right where men, when they get older, they typically get more resourceful, have more resources, mm-hmm. actually are more attractive because they have power so yeah. if you go with <laughs> with what culture is teaching. Women are shooting themselves in the foot, yes, one layer at a time, all the way up to their forties, and then wonder why they can't find men, or men don't commit, and men aren't interested in them, and men—there well, it is. All of it is right there. You waited too long. You're like the pool is gone. You have like a drip going, and I love then, it. and all of you are looking for that like one guy who may be available in that drip.
0: Oh, and I can't tell you how many women <clears throat> I have, I know now who are begging me like i have an answer of what to do when you're in your 50s and you're divorced once or twice and you can't find any good men and they they're so desperate and it's and they're not willing to quote unquote settle but in fact at that point you're you're gonna have to i mean when i (laughs) say settle i mean you're gonna find somebody with baggage you're gonna find you know you're really only i said about one one woman i know i said really the your best solution is to get somebody find somebody who's a lot older a lot wealthier and who's Children are all grown and then maybe yeah. you'll you'll have some a few years of happiness at that point. Well,
1: yeah, it's what's interesting, too, because men, as they get older, it's interesting. so young men, you know, young men are all about, you know, this st- is they're so testosterone. They're all about, you know, being masculine and pushing and fighting in the world. And and that that whole like, you know leave me alone type thing, right? Like men, with the young men would rather be left alone. Like leave them alone, leave them mm-hmm. alone, leave them alone. That's testosterone, that's chemistry, right? There's a need to be alone and sort of hide and push back and not being, whatever, distracted, and right? Men would rather be left alone when they're younger. And I say to women, you know, imagine who you have to be him to rather be with you than be left alone that's the woman you want to be understand what men need
0: that's very good
1: what's interesting yeah and it's true though but what's really interesting is when men get past their 50s their testosterone levels are much have dropped drastically and a lot more they don't want to be left alone they want to bond with women they want to be close they don't want to be left alone they're radically different
0: you see, I know, and you see that with that's why the men always remarry, right? When yeah, they get divorced absolutely. and men, and women
1: don't. We're so just the,
0: never on the same page. What is it with men and women? It's terrible.
1: I know. Well, no, right? uh, a lot of that is, you know, nature and the bodies, right? And then chemistry. But this is the good news for my, customer, my ladies that I talk to, right? So let's, let's cash in on that, right? So you missed out on the beginning of the men who want to get married. Right, the ones that are left to divorce or whatever. But however, when they get to be older, as you are getting older, looking to bond, right? These guys actually are interested in spending, like, being with you. Like, they don't want to be left alone. So you know, there's that big gap in the middle. But That's how you point. know you, you could yeah. get you know the, the the market reopens with older man, but now you have to be willing to be with an older man. You have to be willing with a guy who's kind of set in his ways. You have to be yeah. willing with a guy who's going to tell you how to do life. Because they're very opinionated. They're very much grounded in who they are. and they're, They could be difficult to deal with, right? But they want to be with you. So, okay, like this, keep that option open. But it's a different challenge, but it's really actually available.
0: Oh, my goodness. We could go on and on, Andre. I know, oh, but I, I have know. to get to emails, So I'm going to sign yes. off with you. Okay. And um, thank you. Thank you for joining me. And sure. we will um, we'll pick this up next time when we, when we talk next time. Tell people where they can find you.
1: So my website is projectequinox.net. That's where you find all the materials that I do and, you know, you can access to my email if you want information or, interest, you know, uh, interest in coaching and all this stuff is on the website. is andrecoaching1 at gmail.com. What you really want to do and invite your guests to listen to is my podcast because we talk about all this stuff. You and know, I talk about plus, plus, plus. And the podcast is called How the Culture Gets it Wrong. So you can go to iHeartRadio and just dial… How uh, the Culture Gets It Wrong, and it'll pop up. iHeartRadio, uh, Stitchers, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. So you have five places to go get it, so no reason not to.
0: Yep, it's a it's a great match for what we do here, so I love it. Okay, thanks, Andre. Okay, darling. We'll talk to you next month. Bye. Okay, so now we're moving to some of your emails, which I haven't done before, but I get a lot of emails at Suzanne at the com with a lot of questions and comments, so I'm just going to pull out a few every now and then and and answer them. So here's one from Scott. Do you have any advice for the woman who bought into the lies, accumulated student debt to acquire multiple degrees, and now feels trapped as the primary breadwinner in an inflexible career, even though she has had a change of heart and would rather be home with her small children? Or is it a matter of living with her ill-advised choices and doing her best to keep her children from making the same mistakes? So there's actually a couple of answers to that. I, I, I spoke with somebody in my coaching session a few weeks ago who's in that exact boat. And um, because she and her husband had been very frugal over the prior seven years, she's now pregnant with, she has a two-year-old and she's pregnant with another and she wants to stay home. And he's worried about the finances, but she feels like it's manageable because they've been frugal. So she's going to put together a you know, chart to kind of, show how it, it will be manageable over the next five years, let's say. Um, and you, a lot of people I have found are very surprised at how much goes out the door with that second income that will not if you are home. So obviously the biggest one is the child care. So in this case with this woman, she had a nanny. and But even if you have daycare, if once you start playing with the numbers, you realize how little you're actually bringing in it's it's more doable than a lot more doable than people realize. I mean, you'd really have to both be making six figures, high six figures for it to come out in the wash just from a financial standpoint, which is not most people's story. So, um again, it's about thinking differently than you've been taught to think and when you do that and crunch the numbers, you find that it is possible. But as far as um you know, <laughs> buying into the lies, I mean, you can't make somebody have a change of heart. They have to have some sort of experience that that, that causes them to start to think differently about these issues. Um, there's no question that 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 debt and getting degree upon degree and postponing child rearing and then trying to stay home can be very difficult because you spent so much money on um, on your education. So every situation is going to be different. There are going to be people who absolutely can't manage it but it depends on um your partner as well and and the decisions that you've made there. To me, the answer is that yes, it's always possible to have a change of heart and to change your tune. There's another woman I know who I've kept up with for some time who's who uh is very unhappy as the breadwinner and her husband is not the breadwinner or a very small breadwinner and she's absolutely miserable and she knows that she made the mistake in in her her choice of a husband. Um, and she's stuck in this boat. And so this is a very, very, very real problem that I cannot begin to tell you how many women I hear from who are in this boat where they are the primary breadwinner and don't want to be, they want to get out of it. They don't know how they got into it exactly, or they just listened to the culture and accidentally got into it, but whatever the case may be for me. As the receiver of these emails and coaching sessions, that's the number one theme that I'm seeing. So I happen to know how big of a deal this is, and it's very taboo to talk about, but these these are people who who deserve our attention and help. Here's another one from Calvin. Hello, Suzanne. Your last blog post spoke to me because I also had a strong-willed mom in the house as a kid. She was a fantastic mom, staying home and supporting us children every way she could, but it seemed to me that she always would get irritated if she didn't get her way. Maybe I was overly sensitive as a child, but as I grew, I learned to tailor my behavior to suit her needs because anything was better than the loss of affection I felt when she was upset about something. Now I'm so accommodating that I can't seem to make any decision outside of a vacuum. Whenever someone else is around, I instinctively defer to them. When I finally achieve the strong, emotionally secure masculinity, I'm working towards how do I find a woman who can support that and whom I can support in turn. In short, how do I find the non-feminists? <laughs> okay, so there's there's a book, actually, a new book out, that's called The Masculine in Relationship. And the author, G.S. Youngblood, um, I'm going to be interviewing here on this podcast in two weeks. I would highly recommend, I just begun reading this, but I can already, I'm very excited about it. I'm really psyched to speak with him. It's all about how to deal with this new power dynamic that exists in our country today with the strong woman and the soft man, which is, at this point, an an epidemic, in my opinion, Um, all because of the, the narrative that women should always be living in their masculine at all times and be like men to achieve this faux concept of equality. And women are stuck. They're stuck in that mode. And if you've been raised by a mother like that that has a ripple effect on on the kids and their relationships when they grow up and the only way to break that cycle is to learn how for for women to learn how to be in their feminine and for men to learn how to be in their masculine and understanding what that means and why that polarity is so necessary for a a relationship to thrive so i'm really excited about that um, in a few weeks yeah so that's my suggestion on where to begin healing on that Okay, so that's it for this week. Um, hope you enjoyed this different kind of podcast. Like I said, I'm going to be doing this once a month, where I talk to you directly, and Andre will be joining me. And then I'm going to take some of your emails, and that'll be, you know, every every third episode or so. So um, look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week.